This week's episode of This Is Only A Test is made possible by Ops Genie because incidents happen. Thankfully, Ops Genie empowers devs and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control during incidents. It also gives teams the power to respond quickly and efficiently to unplanned issues and helps them to notify all the right people through a smart combination of scheduling and escalation paths. With Ops Genie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit OpsGenie.com to sign up for a free company account and add up to five team member. Again, that's OpsGenie.com. Never miss a critical alert again with OpsGenie. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, December 6th, 2018, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hello and welcome to a most auspicious day. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. It's, uh, t- today's the 6th. And I got a question for you guys. First of all, I'll, I'll introduce you because for people listening to audio, we don't have our usual cast of characters here. First, Jeremy Williams here. Hi, Norman Chan. Hi, Jeremy. I'm going to take my Advil right now. Very good. Oh, that sounded great. And also, because Kishore is unavailable, we have back for the first time in a long time, Patrick Norton. Hi, Norman. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Uh, got a question for you guys because you both have kids. Yes. Now, obviously, for uh, counting the years, like their birthday is their birthday. You're one year old on the date of your birthday a year later. Okay. But for a month, are they a month old after four weeks or is it the date? This comes under the heading of if you have to ask, it's not important enough for you to know. And that's for somebody else to figure out. You also, I'm sorry, Norm's in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. These are the things that concern my mind (laughs) and my household. I was late. Two hours of sleep last night? Very little. That's just about right. So you you got just enough of your mind dulled to really obsess over, is it 30 days? Why don't they do it in days? Days would be more accurate, or hours. We can start or, a timer. Or is it Every child would come with a timer. Days. Yeah. <laughs> what, what problem? What problem are you trying to solve? Well, is today my baby's one month? Is he one month old today? Because it would be if you it go by the date, the sixth, twenty-eight days, or no? By oh, by, by the, the day. Date. Yes. No, that's not how it works. Oh, you just go by the actual weeks. Yeah. Four weeks for a month. Yeah. They're thirteen months in a year. I can't imagine celebrating any date like 12. that a month later. But you do it for the year. For the year, yes, because that's a cycle. So let's say 48 weeks later, are they 12 months old? <laughs> uh, 48 weeks, right, right. Because they're 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. Right. Every but quarter you get an This extra is the problem week. with our, I'm, just, I'm, I'm bringing to light the problem with our calendar system. It is. This is why <laughs> when we're in the magazines, you had the extra 13 issue of the magazine every year because you would put one out every four weeks it wouldn't be the calendar year that's right that's right that bonus issue bonus issue turns on the publisher yeah yeah (laughs) that also true all right i promise no more baby talk thank you for the podcast although you know now every week you've just got a bunch of dads on the show now it it can be a topic of conversation how is the meconium? <laughs> oh, we're done with that. We're done with that. We're, we're now we're in we're in shit explosions and 
and big puddles and deciding when when to move to the next level diaper. After shards? After shards. Love it. The rectal scale. <laughs> How many O's in that poo in our journal? Where you're a highly technical person, Patrick. Were you a highly technical uh, baby daddy? No. Uh, I was the guy who... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy that turned a schmog into any of a number of incredibly useful uh, baby accessories, including the yeah. swaddling the baby, cleaning up after the baby, the emergency, uh, uh, I don't know, kilt for the baby. Um, I, I There was this, a few years before my oldest was born, I was in somebody's house, and it wasn't them, but the grandparents had bought every single thing from the baby safety store mm -hmm. i mean it was unhinged it, they had the, the no, padded they covers for door they handles unhinged yes uh they had the 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 like the half inch wrestling mat foam on the outside corners of sheetrock walls there was a special custom cut mat over the uh the hearthstone in front of the fireplace like literally it was the closest thing to a high school wrestling room i have seen since being in a high school wrestling room and i came to this really intense realization was that there's like the military industrial complex there's the marriage industrial complex and there's the baby industrial complex and they all exist to to make sure you buy as much crap as possible mm. um and I decided to to buy as little crap as I could. Like I I didn't buy I didn't have a daddy bag. You know, the wipes and diapers yeah. and a schmog and you know various other things went in along with the paracord and the and the computer in my bag. That's why you got the Scott E vest. You got those pockets for diapers. <laughs> Are you familiar with the word schmog? I don't know that word. No, uh, it's it's schmog kefir. It's a it's a it's a big scarf that they wear in the Middle East. Uh, got it. A friend of mine, a who, muslin cloth or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll, there's one in my bag over here, but I'm not sure if I can reach it without knocking the table over. But I was, I was thinking because you were, you were sharing your experience, which I think every parent um, who's not incredibly drugged uh, uh, has, where you see the child in the crib and you have that sheer unbridled panic attack because you can't tell if they're breathing. That's every minute. Well, like I don't sleep now. I just rest my eyes and try to listen to breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I only had the occasional panic attack. It wasn't one long rolling fear. Fa well, it is. But I guess life life was better in the olden days when the babies would sleep in other rooms. You could put a microphone on the on the bed itself. Well, I would imagine it would. There pick are up, actual pick up a heartbeat, maybe some breathing, and then you pump that into your ears. And there were lots of incredibly overpriced baby accessories, many of which actually. Well, I'm sure at least one or two of them actually work, but I've I've seen people repurpose uh, flat mics to go under the crib. I've yeah. seen people there's there's heart centers. I, a friend of mine was so excited when he got a uh, a thermal uh, camera oh. for his phone because he would like yeah. to sneak in and, and thermally image the baby, and it made it easier to see what little lung movement there is. Predator vision, I like yeah. it. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, I think the most common piece of accessory gadget tech is a, a pad that you put underneath. Mm -hmm the pad and then it detects breathing and you can tie it to a video system yeah uh, but it'll give you an alert if it does not detect the breathing which hopefully is accurate because the only thing more right. terrifying than just waking up randomly in the middle of the night wondering if your offspring well the, the the reviews i've read are people who forget to turn it off when they pick the baby up to feed them in the middle of the night and oh. then it's not smart enough to know it's a feeding and so it'll just start blaring that alarm <laughs> oh, that's bad for the baby that's bad for everybody it's bad for everyone uh uh Anyway, yeah. Speaking of buying crap, I saw Ralph breaks the internet. Is this is this a? Do we need a segment intro for is this? Down, uh, is that an encapsulated <laughs> review? <laughs> it, uh, no, the movie actually is about buying crap. 
Okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, in its in its own way, and and I had some mixed feelings about it. Sadly, no one else on this panel is bothered to see it yet. Not bothered. I just I I still can't. trying to see Grindelwald. No, I look I look forward to having a discussion. I just want to say I really want to see it. I can't leave the house. It my uh, spoiler free review would be that it's not as good mm. as the first mm. one. My eleven year old thought it was better than, which doesn't surprise me because it's a, it's much more modern. So I, I've heard um, comparisons between this movie and the Emoji movie in mm. terms of it, it's Ow. kind of Shrekified in terms of like references everywhere. Dude, the references are like at least in the first movie, the references were classic. Uh, properties right. for whom like nobody's earning money yeah. right it's just it was just fun right. every little thing was an easter egg so this is product placement taken to a level uh, extreme yeah. level and also a meta awareness hopefully of that and it plays on that product placement it's, there's nothing meta about it it's, oh, just, it's just like this, this is, is in hey, your hey, face here's like, product placement here's the ebay logo and here is twitter wow. and google and so all the properties one of the things that you would hope from like and the things you admire about like a, biz, a Disney film or a Pixar film is that there's a timelessness yep. to that this the story, right? <laughs> uh, even stories set in the future, right? Wall-E, there's a timelessness because it's a certain you know timeless vision of the future. When you have these movies set in the present, right? Or when when the references that's what I think one yeah. of the pitfalls of the Shrek films where you know they don't age well because right. they're all late '90s jokes. So many hip cultural references that will be meaningless inside of 48. Right, yeah. It's, it's a cheap days. shot to get the meme in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the title of the movie, Ralph Breaks the Internet, is a reference. So I hope that they would go back to at least, like, what, what is the central core of the film, I guess? Is, is, is there See, a this big... Is what, this is what I want to talk about, because uh, i got a problem with it. Like, well, there, there is the, one. The whole though. premise is based on a problem that I don't think is worth... Like, contemplating. It's not a problem. It's no more a problem than it was in the first film. And they, they have no problem Tell me about, with it then. It's, it's about um, video game history archiving and preservation. Oh, that'd be great. Like, if Jason Scott, like, played a, a role in, in the... And it's about no. losing the, the historical the heritage of classic arcade uh, games. Dude, like, that would touch everybody's heartstrings. Wouldn't that, right? I love it. Right? Modern <laughs> games versus the, yes. the old games. and. No. That's Not wow! So what the, the there, easiest story to sell? There is an interesting send up of internet advertising, though. Like the way that that's handled, I think is up there with Wally in mm. terms of making you think about like because they anthropomorphize right. the advertisements and the pop up blockers and all of these var- various <laughs> ma- things that we're familiar with on the web now are you know look they look like cartoon characters and the way that they personify them is really smart and I and so like I hand it to them. I just wonder if. I, will, I look forward to having a more in-depth discussion. I, I also saw in the trailer, at least, that there was some reference to uh, the dark web, and they manifest that. Oh, yes. the dark web. Now, did they go far enough? Because that's a, that's a place I don't expect to appear in any form in a right. Disney film. It, it's what you think it is. It's a seedy alley. You is know? it Bitcoin? Is it like Bitcoin for PlayStation? That's funny. Like, no, because that's not fair to Bitcoin. Like, Bitcoin's everywhere. It would be there. It would also be elsewhere. Um, but you're right. No, I didn't see that. Mm. But they, one of my favorite parts where they go is the old internet. And just for a moment, like the 90s. GeoCities? Finger. Yeah, GeoCities. Oh, nice. Okay. Like, <laughs> blink and you miss it. GeoCities is referenced. It's, All right. it's good. All yeah. right. Yeah, Tumblr may be old internet soon. But that's, we're getting ahead of ourselves in, in terms of technology. Use. I want to check in with Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm full of mirth and good cheer. <laughs> also contemplating what reading... Ready Player One is going to be like in another 10 years now. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah, when does that take place again? Is it like 
thir- 40 years High school for me. No, I'm, I mean, like, <laughs> what year is it? Yeah, I so. wonder. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be prescient in some ways. It, like, if people do turn to VR in order to escape the uh, the wealth gap that is ever-increasing. You know, Fortnite with 200 million total players is the modern oasis. Right. Right, with, with, with the crafting and everything. But, uh, Patrick, Sir. aside from, you know... Dad talk. How, how's, uh, how's tech thing? How's, uh, how's tech coverage? Tech thing's good. Uh, we're still answering viewer questions and reviewing products. Um, and everything from strange little open source utilities for finding duplicate files, which if uh, that is an issue in your life, I have one for you, T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G dot com. Um, you know, and getting ready for CES. Remember CES? Yeah. You know, last year was the first year in... 15 years I didn't go to CES. Did it feel uncomfortable? It, w- it did. I, I actually, I, I felt great the first day. I was like, oh, I'm not missing anything. And then I really, f- I, I missed the blackout. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I definitely missed being there. And I don't know if I'm going this year either. We haven't made plans yet. Well, I it's, I can. it's this weird mixture of, of business event you have to go to and homecoming. Um, because there's people, this is the only place I see them, like going back to the, you know, when I worked in the magazines and different, you know, internet properties and, and television shows and, and online networks. And it's funny to see all of these people or to run into PR people as they jump from company to company to company. Um, but yeah, it does. I, my running joke for a long time has been that New Year's isn't January 1st. It's actually the first day after CES ends because I can't really begin the new year until CES is out of the way. Mm. So yeah, apparently I'm doing a lot of CES planning and uh been doing a lot of uh work on a podcast uh, av excel with robert heron and we've been you know television reviews and and home theater and audio and oh, headphones God. and stuff right around this time of year that's when you're gonna get the most questions when everyone's kind of clamoring to buy a new tv and yeah <laughs> but less than a month away from all the new ones being announced it's a fraught time <laughs> <laughs> well isn't the cadence usually that you know the, the new ones will be announced but they won't You're, show up. Yeah, they won't show up till the summer. Yeah, and really, people aren't going to be buying those TVs. Buying last year's TV is yeah. the, the thing to do, or even the year before. And and what you're helping people decipher is what the differences right. are, whether they're meaningful, uh, because we've reached that state where 4K is you know the, the norm now. Yeah. It, it, well, you want 4K HDR. 4K HDR. Um, as long as you got those. You're pretty good. Yeah, the I mean the LG and Sony OLEDs are kind of if you have the money, they are going to deliver you the most extraordinary experience. And you know, if you don't have that kind of money, it's still crazy. You're you're looking at some six hundred, seven hundred dollar televisions where until you spend two or three times as much, you're not seeing a huge difference in the performance of the television, which is nice. But even <laughs> it seems like even the OG or LG, OG, the LG OLEDs can run the gamut from a thousand to four thousand. Yeah, and, and one of the nice things. Not this year, but the year before, LG very conveniently put the same glass and uh, processing yes. in every single, everything from the entry level to the expensive OLEDs. Hmm, that's now, right. You know, they also just announced a couple weeks ago, uh, or maybe a week ago, that some of the stuff they're doing to upgrade the, the processing going into their panels. And that's kind of, I think Sony's got a little bit better processing than LG does, uh, but it's 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 finally not a terrible time to buy yeah. a television, yeah. and also uh, we're going to probably be throwing rocks at CES because I suspect there's going to be a really irritating amount of 8K conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. The TVs are still a business where the, due, due to laziness or whatever, <laughs> they, they, market, they can product segment on the most superficial things, right? The, the bezel, the stand, and a thing like built-in Atmos. 
which for people who are going to spend three thousand dollars on TV, you're going to have a separate Atmos decoder and and, and speaker One system. Hope. One would hope, exactly. So, like this is a great place, a great time to take advantage yeah. of the, an entry level model, getting the same picture quality, and and maybe even last year's processor is going to be fine. It's been fun also because as the the OLED prices have come down, we've also seen uh, you know f- for example, there's a lot of competition at the entry level on the speaker side of things and headphones. Mm. Headphones are still uh, they are advancing at a pace more rapid than I would like. I mean, they're not necessarily that much better, but it's incredible to see what people are delivering for the money they're delivering it at, um, even on the low end. Even at the low end. Yeah. Um, the earbuds I've gotten over the past couple of years have blown my mind. Yeah. And, and that's going to, I I don't know when that's going to taper off. You know, I, it's, I think it's going to taper off when we finally have a truly badass $35 earbud, which I'm not holding my breath on. That's going to take a couple more years. Um, but it's been really crazy looking at what people are doing. For example, I've, I've, I brought to show you guys a, a headphone amplifier from the guys I know at JDS Labs, uh, the Atom. And the, they're really into delivering incredible, um, you know, objectively tested performance so that it's basically beyond, you know, what you can hear as a human. And, you know, they put together this, this amplifier and it's, you know, half or a third of the price of, of their high-end amplifiers probably delivers slightly better performance. I mean, the numbers on it are ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the in terms of the the signal to noise ratio, you know, the you know the 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 frequency response is flat. It's ruler flat. It's this ninety nine dollar headphone amplifier that outperforms some stuff that sells for a lot more. Hmm. Um, and it's been fun because there's been some warring inside of the audio kind of nerd community where people are are starting to do some more objective testing and to, and to get the most out of that ninety nine dollar amplifier. What kind of money do you have to spend on headphones? Oh well, the uh, <laughs> the uh, most people truly probably don't need a headphone amplifier, but as soon as you start spending, you know, it it, it is interesting for me. Um, when I started, uh, I, I picked up an LG uh, uh, Android phone a couple of years ago, and that was the first time I realized how crappy uh, a lot of the uh, audio was on uh, Android devices, hmm. and it was, and that was that was kind of when I really started having like I had an AudioQuest Dragonfly you know, and an OTG cable so that I could listen to something because it was incredibly weak. The headphone amplifier was incredibly weak and there were some other issues with it. And I was shocked because I'd been running iPhones and the, what comes out of the headphone of an iPhone or the headphone jack of an iPhone is, well, until they got rid of the headphone jacks, which sucks, um, is, was incredibly clean. And unless you were running like a crazy set of planar magnetics, you could get it loud enough, you know, to, to, for comfortable listening in normal circumstances. Did you hear the rumors that Steve Jobs actually had something to do with that? That the story goes that he vetoed the head the quality of the headphone um, qual- um, audio uh, early on in the mm-hmm. iPod days, and then into the into the cell phone days, he always had a say on it, and he would reject it. He could hear the differences, like he had incredibly good hearing and cared a lot about music. I I, I have heard things that I would believe a lot less about Steve Jobs. That actually seems fairly reasonable. But it's you know in terms of you know if you're starting to spend two or three hundred dollars on headphones, at some point. W- for me, it's kind of like the difference between having a super tuned suspension and a big set of brakes and a big engine, because you know essentially what you're doing with a with a head with an amplifier, right? You're you're accelerating the diaphragm uh, inside your headphones, mm-hmm. and you know the cleaner and better that is, the more perfect the transmission of music. For what for me is like what would have taken a five hundred dollar you know headphone amplifier a few years ago, they're doing for like ninety nine bucks. Wow. Yeah. Have you used those uh, those new Dolby headphones? No, 
I find most of what Dolby does with headphones to be incredibly frustrating. Gimmicky or yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's just I I it's is that fair for them to set the standard <coughs> and also sell headphones? Uh, you know, it's it's Dolby. They're going to do what they want, uh, <laughs> and I actually say that with affection because I love Dolby surround sound. I just have fundamental. I have fundamental issues. Because people keep telling me it's just like having a full surround sound set of speakers. It's like I have a full surround set of speakers. It doesn't sound like the noise is coming from behind me. Quit saying that because every time you do that, it pisses me off and I can't actually write about what I like about the product. But mostly, though, the Dolby headphones seem incredibly expensive. They're super expensive. But the whole idea is exactly what you're talking about. It was this positional audio, you know, uh, uh, that a lot of VR (laughs) headphone companies, the ones that failed, try to do as well. So when you can walk around your living room and feel like the audio is coming from a, a fixed place. I mean, I was I, I did a review re- recently of uh, uh, Odyssey's Mobius, and they have a whole bunch of, of uh, you know, uh, they have a whole bunch of 3D sound expensive. <coughs> Sorry, they, you know, I, I've, I find a lot of the stuff, it's pretty good for watching movies if it's done right. Oh, boy. <coughs> Oh, God, we're losing him. Uh-oh. <laughs> Get that water in, Patrick. Uh, and that's going to be an edit. Sorry. Um, we don't edit here. <laughs> we do it live. I should have just cursed a whole bunch over that one. I I find it frustrating because a lot of, you know, for example, one of the things about these these Odyssey, uh, these Odyssey uh, Mobius is they're like, they're going to be great for VR because they've got head tracking. And it's like, well, yeah, but every VR headset does head tracking. You don't need head tracking on head tracking. What you need is an incredibly clear reproduction of the signal that's coming out of the device. You know, and so for a lot of the, I I find a lot of the stuff people are doing to sort of soup up the audio experience by doing a lot of processing. Some mm-hmm. of it's impressive, and a lot of it's just really irritating. That's the way f- photography is going. All this computational photography movement. Yeah, you know, with the the fake bokeh and the fake uh, depth of field. Yep. yep. Why, why not apply that to audio too? Well, I think for most people who are buying audio, and it happens with a lot of consumer products, right? You buy if you're you make a business out of selling uh, a mid to high range product, a three hundred dollar product. It's tough to get people to buy that stuff year over year, uh, outside of expanding expanding your market. Um, but you reach a point where. People are happy with what they have, mm-hmm. and you, they're not going to spend another three hundred dollars on a pair of Beats headphones. Um, so you got to put another gimmick in there. I mean, it's, it's basically <laughs> the story for every every consumer electronic device um, today's day and age. But we're getting too much into tech. Sorry. So how deep are we in, man? We are. Holy cow. Let's, I know. Let's play some music. Let's play some music. All right, so uh, we talked a little bit about Wreck-It Ralph, but I think mm-hmm. it, it sounds like Wreck-It Ralph is out of the running for best animated film this year, <laughs> based on based on your review, Jeremy. Well, well, certainly by my review, by your review, yes. and and what might be the shoe in for the best animated film of this year? Mm-hmm. Maybe the Spider-Man film, Sony Pictures Animations into the Spider Verse. Let's check in on Rotten Tomatoes. Still, <laughs> as of right now, a week ahead of release. A hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-seven reviews. Now, has anybody reviewed it over the past week? Yeah, it went from forty-four to sixty-seven. Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not just like 
nothing happened yeah. over the past week. I mean, maybe they're the same part of the same screening, but those right. reviews have new reviews have come out. That's interesting, and it is held. Now, I don't expect it to be a hundred percent, and I think it's, it's it's I think there's a there's, there's definitely a culture of people who follow these scores that value that same with Metacritic. Sure, people who follow it, but it's the point is, it's important to remember this does not mean it's a one hundred percent film. This just means 100% of the people who saw it That's right. liked it rather than disliked it. They could've, everyone could have gave it a 3 out of 5 stars. Yes. Everyone could have given 60% a recommendation. But the average review score is a 9 out of 10 Ooh, for this. Hot dog. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. i got to find a way to get out of the house. We might take turns. Norm- <laughs> Normally on the podcast, I'm surrounded by Marvel nerds. They know everything about the Marvel Universe. They read the books when they were younger. They think I'm just completely an idiot because I've never heard of Spider-Ham. It's okay. Are, are you one of them? I'm, I I actually know. I, okay. I, I missed all the, the time I should have been reading comic books. I was off doing weird things okay. in, involving wrenches. All right. Um, well, you're probably more technically inclined than me, but I, I was off uh, probably tinkering on a keyboard somewhere. Well, the, <laughs> the, uh, the creative team behind this film, I think, were happy that the film came in. I think the first trailer surprised <laughs> everyone, right? Because yeah. when, when they announced this film, it read like a direct-to-DVD movie. Like, yeah, another Spider-Man film? Aren't there, like, 50 Spider-Man TV shows already? Uh, animated shows? And it was the team behind uh, the Lego movie, uh, Phil Lord Chris I, Miller. I just, I was, I saw who was directing it. All I could think was like, hey, Disney, this could have been Solo, you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, and not only does it sound like the story is going to be great, but from, if you've seen the trailer, the animation looks fantastic. Totally new style. Yeah. Really dig um, it. And uh, people who saw Venom in theaters, the stinger at the end of Venom was actually a scene from this film. What? Yeah. Uh, so a little <laughs> bit of that. I don't want to see Venom, but I want to see the stinger. <laughs> well, this, the film's going to be out in a week and a half, so uh, I can't wait. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and they've already announced a sequel and a spinoff film. So is this an, an official Marvel film? It is not. Okay. So it is part of Sony. Yeah. Sony has the rights for Spider-Man, and Sony has the rights for... Uh, Fantastic Four? No, it's Fox. Okay. So Fox, uh, Marvel's buying... Disney Marvel's buying Fox for, what, $37 billion, and part of that, in moving to the next phase of their Marvel Cinematic Universe, will incorporate the Fox previously owned properties had the uh which include x-men fantastic four any mutant based thing mm-hmm. that's why fox was throwing movies with mutants you know wolverine uh just on screen just to have the rights of that yeah uh, they had a deal with marvel per- before the disney acquisition who for uh, sony well, fox did fox did uh for the character of quicksilver oh funny and so if you watch so the x-men odd. films Quicksilver is in the X-Men film. He's in Days of Future Past. He's in Apocalypse. And there was a Quicksilver in the Avengers Age of Ultron. And spoiler, the Avengers Age of Ultron, Quicksilver dies. <laughs> but there are two separate actors, See characters with about? the same like, name. Like no, no, no. I'm just laughing because I, I bought the Blu-ray. Yeah. And <laughs> I told my wife, like, the boys can't see this until the second one's out. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just, you know. Yeah. I, no spoilers. I, was just, I just looked at her and I'm like... We can't watch this. I'm like the ending of this is so intense. There is no way our children, our children will explode if they oh, see Infinity this. War. Yeah, yeah, Infinity War. Yeah, which I think is the trailer for Infinity War might have 
drop. It might be dropping as we're recording the this trailer. Podcast. What do you mean, the Blu-ray trailer? No, no, no. The trailer for the Infinity n- War Two. Shut up. Or the name, at least. Really? It, it, well, that would be the top story of the week. We'll have to play it late know, in the show. We, we might have to. We didn't. Th- thank goodness we didn't play that intro music. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Jeremy. Um, and uh, to go back to the conversation about the, the rights holders, all the boring stuff, uh, Sony has the rights to Spider-Man. Yeah. But, and it was through a special arrangement uh-huh. that the Spider-Man Homecoming movie got folded into the MCU. They kind of borrowed Tony Stark. And, and, and it was a trade. And Tony's, lent Spider-Man. And lent Spider-Man for Civil War. Yeah. Uh, and so while Sony's holding on to all the Spider-Man-related characters, whether that's Venom or Spider-Man or Black right. Cat, uh, they will are happy to collaborate with Marvel. And this Spider-Verse movie, yeah. it, if it does well, and I think it will do well, is going to further tighten the reins on the Spider-Man characters so, within the Sony. So do you think <laughs> that any of the... Um um, Marvel, like the Disney Marvel characters, will be in this movie. Well, they've kind of opened up the idea of a Spider-Verse, right? So the Spider-Man, uh, there are multiple Spider-Characters, Spider-Heroes yeah. in this film. And it doesn't look like um, Tom Holland is one of them. I don't know. I haven't seen the film. Who's that? Uh, Tom Holland's the, the actor who plays Spider-Man in... Um, oh, the new ones. The Homecoming. New ones. Yes, okay, Homecoming, Civil War. Uh, but it'd be funny if they brought, you know, Andrew Garfield... Tom Holland and and uh, oh, Tobey Maguire. That'd be funny as as cameos. Yeah, because the possibilities are there, right? As of right now, the older male Peter Parker in Spider Verse is played by the actor from the New Girl the guy in uh, Jurassic World. I forget the name of the actor. Um, nope. But anyway, looking forward to that film. Yep, they've announced sequels and spinoffs, and that's the good side of the Marvel larger entertainment Hollywood universe. On the flip side, mm-hmm. we have yet another surprise cancellation. So Luke Cage, canceled. Iron Fist, canceled. canceled. That I was okay with. And I think most people were okay with that. And this past week announced, surprisingly, Daredevil also canceled. After season three just dropped to rave reviews. What about Jessica Jones? That one is still in production. Really? So Jessica Jones, still in production, and Punisher, I believe, still in production. Uh, so we have... And is that it? Are those the only two Marvel shows well, left? Well, there's, there's that crossover one. Like the Defenders. The They're Defenders. not going to do Defenders, okay. too. Yeah. <laughs> so Daredevil being canceled. And that was the one that not only kicked it off, yeah. built that Netflix-Marvel <clears throat> right. relationship. Um, but I guess if you, look at, if you do the math and how expensive these shows are to make, I think a bunch of factors by came in, right? One, Netflix knew that... Disney was going to start their own Marvel, Disney Plus subscription service and pull a lot of people away. Um, They weren't incorporating these characters into the larger Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. They kind of alluded to, you know, things that happened in Avengers 1, but it was very clearly separate universes, right? Even with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they had repercussions from Infinity War uh, because that's a Disney-owned ABC show. Netflix, they can't control that. And what the Russo brothers, directors of Infinity War, talked about, they considered maybe having cameos from the Marvel uh, Netflix shows. It was going to be too convoluted. They'd rather keep it separate. Uh, Netflix also knows that they know how people are watching these shows now, right? Season two, season three, Mm -hmm. probably diminishing returns. And not only diminishing returns for viewership, but for new subscribers. That's all they care about, new subscribers. Once you got them hooked in... Netflix is all about growth and moving forward, and they That's already right. know this is shutting down. And it's it's frustrating because it's also 
uh, you know, they probably know that the majority of their subscribers are not going to cancel because Daredevil is gone. It's not as compelling as Friends, turns out. What the? <laughs> what are you talking about? The old TV show? Yeah. So, ne- do you hear about this? Netflix has the rights or had the rights. Friends, the TV show, all of seasons were on Netflix. And guess how much Netflix was paying to syndicate, not exclusively, because Friends is on TV all the time, but just to have Friends on Netflix, how much they were paying. $200 million a year. <laughs> no, it's, that's that. that. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Friends globally makes a billion in a, a year for uh, the Warner Media. I want to say. Is that true? Yes. Today, Friends makes a billion dollars in syndication uh, rights a year. I hate that show. I well, Netflix <laughs> was previously paying $30 million a year for the rights to have Friends. And then... Announced earlier last week, that was going away because Friends was going to, they were going to be on some other subscription service. Mm-hmm. And the viewers revolted. Netflix <laughs> brought out the checkbook. <laughs> and now for 2019, they're paying $100 million to have Friends on so, Netflix. So my joking number actually really isn't that joking. Not that joking. Wow. It's shocking. That's <clears throat> stupid. That's, as someone tweeted, that's the price of a major airline. You probably could have actually bought a complete blue set of Blu-rays and a Blu-ray player for everybody <laughs> who watched, that, who was right, yeah, who who, who cared for, about friends only friends for probably eighty ninety million dollars less. Yeah, <laughs> that's nuts. Netflix money. That's Netflix money. All right, back to Marvel superhero news. Now on Monday they debuted the long-awaited full theatrical trailer to. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. This is Brie Larson's character. Um, a period piece. Right. We won't go into too much spoilers if you're a spoiler averse, uh, but it is the big new superhero coming out, uh, superhero film coming out, I believe, pre Infinity War Part 2, whatever that ends up being called. So, you guys watch the trailer? What'd you think? I had goosebumps. Looks like a Marvel trailer, man. It looks good. I, you know, they keep knocking these things out of the park. It won't surprise me at all if this is a massively great movie. I think the timing is right for this movie. I mm-hmm. think that Marvel, we talked about this, they're super confident in their de-aging CG. That's the most amazing thing, isn't it? Like to be, That they're taking a gamble on this technology that people will buy it for the length of an entire movie and not just put up with it for a single scene. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, ask me after I've seen it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's like they're making that gamble. Right. Like that's what's interesting to me. So I'm I'm going go to go to the film and say, you know, show me that that you can do it. You know, every de aging scene, as good as they are, still doesn't pass the uncanny valley for me yet. Yeah. Uh, in in past movies, whether it's Ant Man the Wasp, whether it's like a Civil War or anything, like any any time they've had like Michael Douglas or whoever, yeah. or Tony Stark or uh, Robert Downey Jr. play younger versions of themselves hasn't worked. The only time it's passed that for me is yeah. actually aging. Getting older. Getting older. Why is that, do you think? I don't... Uh, did you, do you guys it's remember... It's additive um, and not reductive. Maybe, maybe that's it. No, um, I mean, I mean, literally, it's... it's uh, the way faces age and the way your skin ages and your, your nose continues to grow, your ears get larger, it's very... And especially if you look at somebody, for example, Robert Downey Jr., who was... You know, I mean, for such a you know what they of a look, human being, but, but you know what they look yeah. like. Yeah. And he was angelic, right? He had this, in, you know, incredibly sculpted face. And as you look at him as somebody in their fifties, you know, there's he's aged. There's a lot of hard miles on that face, and it's very difficult to sort of, you know, it's like everything else. You know, the engineers are going to hammer at it until it's extraordinary. But it's 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 a very difficult thing to to take the years off. Well. 
I bet there's, there's taking the years off to some extent. Like if there's doing a flashback scene where you're playing someone 20 years younger, and then there's taking the years off subtly in every scene they're in. And I bet that happens much more frequently than, than you know <laughs> or think. Because there are VFX companies whose sole job right. is the digital Botox, is to, to take away a wrinkle or two here. And, and they work on not just superhero films, but yeah, any, any big film. Like, they can clearly make the face look younger in a dialogue scene. Mm -hmm. But I'll be curious to see, like, can he move like a young man, you know? Yeah, in the Marvel, Captain Marvel trailer, when he bends down to pet that cat, it's, it's, he's bending down like a 60s, 70-year-old man. (laughs) Take it slow. (laughs) My knees are giving out. I'll have to look at that again. Uh, And then uh, there hopefully will be another trailer or a a trailer finally for Infinity War Part 2, wherever they're calling that. Uh, yeah, now maybe, I'm checking Twitter maybe, like yeah. every five minutes. Thank, thanks so much. Keep us keep us surprised on that situation. <laughs> yeah. Where where would you check for like the earliest uh, access to that trailer? Reddit. Twitter? Well, they they previously they typically announce that stuff, right? So for yeah. Captain Marvel, they said go watch basketball on ESPN Monday night, and right. we will debut the trailer there. But I think like trending on Twitter. Yeah. You know, if, if you keep a live search on on that and refresh refresh that, yeah, maybe you'll find a link, or you or you might get you know. Uh, spammed into <laughs> psyched out and, and clickbaited. Um, Marvel also uh, announced their next new superhero movie franchise. Did and they? surprisingly, it's going to be a martial arts film. Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, will be their next new superhero. Uh, what do you know about Shang-Chi? Well, it's kind of like their mea culpa for Iron Fist. I was, I, I was I was trying so hard not to say that. I was like, Marvel apologizes for Iron Fist and everything about it. And <laughs> obviously, Marvel Cinema, you know, Kevin Feige's team didn't have control over the presentation of Iron Fist because that was the Netflix TV side of things. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are comparing this to Black Panther in that it's going to be, hmm. you know, it, it's it's going to do for martial arts films and. Um, and, and the history of martial artists and Asian cinema, what Black Panther maybe did. Uh, the character itself is kind of not well-known. It's definitely a B-grade character, at least with Black Panther. You know, Black Panther was well-known, was a top-tier hero in the Marvel Universe, in the comic book universe. Yeah. Shang-Chi has it's, – it's definitely a C-rate hero. Museum of I Pop think. Culture does not offer Shang-Chi as an option for who is your favorite of the top 20 of Marvel characters. <laughs> you got to wait five years. So people are already talking about casting. They're talking about looking for right. um, you know, an Asian director potentially to do this. I think John M. Chu could totally do it. He's the one who directed not only Crazy Rich Asians, but he also directed G.I. Joe Retaliation. He has the action chops in there. Um, casting is going to be super interesting. How they tie it in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because otherwise it's just someone who knows martial arts and is the master of martial arts. Mm-hmm. How do you make that a compelling film when you have billionaires in power suits and vibranium and a gauntlet that can kill half the universe? Did you not know anything about Shang-Chi? I know, I know about his legacy. I know that he... I, I know that his father is uh, potentially the character Fu Manchu and also, what they may spin it as is that his father may be the Mandarin in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Does he have any superpowers? He's, he's the best in martial arts. He's the best. He's in martial the best. Arts. 
He's, and, and the comic books love this, right? You know, they, they say Batman is top 10 martial arts in the world. Like, you know, they love, like, having, right. like, kids love the idea that the character they're reading is the best at Who something. would win in a fight? Exactly, right? <laughs> oh, my God, the, uh, this character is third smartest person on Earth. Reed Richards is the second. <laughs> they love these kind of power rankings. Right. It's why you buy the trading cards. And Master of Kung Fu, Shang-Chi, is the best martial artist in the world. I like martial arts. I just hope that we see actual martial arts Yes. And not just uh, The Matrix Part 2 and 3. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that does it for, I think, all the Marvel news. Uh, it's turning to something fun. Uh, a fun PSA video. Oh, this is so good. So Tom Cruise is currently fi- filming Top Gun Maverick in collaboration with uh, now longtime collaborator Christopher McQuarrie. They, uh, he directed and wrote Mission Impossible Fallout. And maybe this is also to promote Mission Impossible Fallout coming out on Blu-ray. They should do these in uh, San Diego at the Air Force Museum, oh. at the actual Air Force. But it was a post on the internet where both of them did a a PSA, an old school PSA, yeah, about turning off motion smoothing, so, or as they call it, motion interpolation. That's it. The problem is like I am so glad that they're taking a stand against this quote feature. Than all of the new TVs that you're reviewing, I hate. Oh, this it's feature. been in TVs for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, but. The PSA itself is not very good. It's like a minute and a half long. They don't show a single example of what the hell they're talking about. It's all technical, technological gobbledygook. It feels like some production assistant or some assistant producer had yeah. this idea. And like, how do we promote, how do we tease that they're filming Top Gun and also bring awareness that Mission Impossible Fallout's coming out on Blu-ray? Well, let's do this fun thing because you're... Beating a dead horse. They're, they're talking to people on Twitter. No, these us. Both we're of these speaking guys, to the choir. Christopher McQuarrie is is really a vocal opponent yeah. of of this and, of, and of motion smoothing. And they they mention that other filmmakers, you know, Chris Nolan included, yeah. are working with TV manufacturers. We talked about this on the podcast yep. to, to make the setting of motion smoothing at least not the default on setting, or at least yeah. make it easy to turn off. Because even on my OG, LG TV. <laughs> They're like you go to the menu, and there are five different motion smoothing options. There's there's a lot that could be done to make uh, everything in televisions easier to set up and configure. Yeah, and the whole I mean everybody's got a different name for it. It's it's funny because I, I uh, one of my favorite rants of all time was a fairly sophisticated video engineer um, who. I, we're allowed to curse on this podcast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Who basically was like, "I'm fucking tired of being chained to a fucking standard done with inferior technology at the beginning of the last fucking century," um, and uh, you know, and and then he got really profane. But it's it's interesting because so much of what makes cinema cinema is the feel of the way the video hits your face. 24 FPS. If I made a film and put years of my life into it, wanted to look a certain way, and I cared about the framing and the, the frame rate and the film grain. I'm not, I'm not, this, the, the, I'm no, not I arguing. Not. I'm just, I know you're not, but I'm just saying like, yes, that like that, this is a problem for creators. Well, I, I think. Depends on the creator, depends on the movie, depends on what they're shooting I, on, depends on. 100%. I think we had this conversation with film Digital Divide, mm-hmm. and a vast majority of filmmakers are totally okay. From the Coen brothers, they shot their first film yeah. in digital this past year, and they said they just get more latitude. You get way more stops of light when you're trying to film those sunsets and sunrises, and they're okay because all even if you shoot on film, you have a digital intermediate anyway. It right. all goes through the same process. What you're talking about with frame rate and shutter speed, those are independent things. They tie together. But the frame rate in which a film is displayed at 24 FPS does subconsciously look 
different. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that needs to be the case for films for the rest of. But I mean, we think of movies as looking like a movie because you know everybody, all these people grew up watching these movies that look like these movies. Well, we also grew and up it's, with it's movies, a generational thing. We also grew up with movies looking like movies because we went to a movie theater. Yes. And not watching it on our phones, right? Like the the two hour time for a movie is something. The two hour like uh, s- telling a story in two hours that's being challenged now, yeah. and you have directors encouraging new filmmakers to, to experiment with what it means to tell movie film movie in 45 minutes and tell a full story that way. Y- yeah, you would compare that to television, but what makes that different if it's a well, good story? B- but uh, you know, there's there's <laughs> I'm going to walk away from from the contemplation of, of of the sort of like everybody has the attention span of a gnat. Um but I think what really makes a, a truly great cinematic experience is that I am transported. It doesn't matter if it's freaking four hours long because I am in, you know, at least until I have to pee. Um, it's and, a biological limit. Yeah. We're talking <laughs> about literally biological limits. How long before? Well, that's, that's why movies back then had intermissions. I don't understand the comparison exactly. I mean, it, it's one thing to give somebody constraints and have an artist work within them. It's another thing to take their product and then contort it. That That's true. That's true. Right. Yeah. And... That I guess is the, the the basis of the problem. What what people call film, I, I think we're arguing semantics here, right? Like the definition of film is going to be an ongoing, changing, fluid. Well, thing. I mean, it, it, to some degree, it has been for a long ass yep. time. Uh, but the director's vision and the filmmaker's vision, we want to preserve as much of that from end to end, yeah. as as we can. But yeah, that there's no argument there. It should be the right thing to do. Like, should you go to uh, to a, to the museum that has a Picasso exhibit? wearing glasses that you know refract light so that it looks prettier no no look <laughs> don't adjust the hue on the painting like just enjoy things as they were made hey hey by that argument and but I'm, with spi- I'm super just playing... spicy processing everything in life no, will I'm, look I'm, better just to be devil's advocate here you know picasso didn't have natural fluorescent lights in museum quality lighting you know yeah a lot of artists it's true like you, do you appreciate it in only the conditions in which they made it that's true. I feel that most artists actually figured out a way to get decent light when they were making judgment calls, at least in terms of visual artists working and blah, 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 blah. Because, I mean, you know, the the you know, the the Dutch masters had some of the crappiest light in the history of the planet and not much of it for a very short period of the day, but they still managed to make extraordinary things that, that you know, transported them. It, just, it took the medium to a whole new level. And there's a difference between scrutinizing a piece of work and analyzing it and, and right. having the best setting environment to do that and appreciating a piece of work for the artist's intent. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, it's frustrating, right? Because when you, when you look at what a movie can be or, or when you look at like restorations, um, you know, it isn't, they can do extraordinary things and they can preserve, preserve everything that made it a film. And then it gets completely, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the wizard of Oz, right? Where they did an eight K scan. They, they actually found three relatively unmolested negatives. They scanned those at eight K. They manually aligned them. They corrected them. They found somebody who was actually, you know, old enough who'd worked in the industry who knew what the colors were supposed to. Be. They did this thing to recreate the actual theatrical experience when it was released. And I'll tell you this, the theatrical experience you'll have at home or any theater watching 
Wizard of Oz is far superior, far yeah. far superior than anyone watching Wizard of Oz. Unless then. you've got it in like sunblast television cinematic display mode, which you've jerked around because you decided you liked a little more green in your television, <laughs> screwed up the soundtrack by sending everything to the left channel, and then turn on motion blurring just for just to kind of wrap up the. You know what I mean? Like you can completely annihilate. You can you can have these extraordinary things created. Like the idea, like you can have the perfect restoration of this movie in your freaking house. You can watch it yeah. whenever you want to over and over and over again just like the people that made Netflix buy Friends for a hundred million dollars um, instead of buying the Blu-rays which will look better but you know then then the television can completely screw it up because somebody you know motion is basically because it's in I'm going to get a suntan mode and motion smoothing is turned on from the factory man history is not going to look kindly on the decades in which non-HD video was the standard you know, it'll be nice if history remembers any of it at all. Yeah, even the, the Netflix season three trailer, uh, teaser, which was just a mall scene, even that was made to look old. Oh, but Stranger it, Things. But what did I say? Netflix. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, but it was actually HD. Like, yeah. they, they can't go all you the can't. way with that. No, no. It is a relic of that transitional period yeah. right. in, in technologies. Now, going back to uh, essentially why we're talking about this, which is the Tom Cruise, Chris McQuarrie. Mission Impossible Fallout promotion. I did buy the digital. I, I did buy the Blu-ray, 4K and, and 4K HDR, yeah. and it's fantastic. And uh, some of those scenes were shot in it's a two aspect ratio movie, so it's a, an IMAX aspect ratio, or closer to 1.9, closer to 16 by 9, and in a widescreen. And I'll tell you, there's one, there's two two sequences which they switch mm-hmm. into a wider, a taller aspect ratio because it was filmed that way mm-hmm. for IMAX. For IMAX. And the first time they do it is one of the best implementations of the aspect ratio switch. Do you guys remember watching like Dark Knight? Yes. Yep. And Dark Knight did it poorly. It did, it did it well. Like the op- whole it just opening, did what it did. Right. Like the, the whole <laughs> opening sequence of the bank heist that was all shot in IMAX. So that yep. whole like ten minute, eight minute thing was. And, and then it jump cuts. And it jump. And then later in the film, it does jump back and forth. Mm-hmm. Within a scene, yeah, which is super jarring because not only is the aspect ratio changing, but the quality of the light and the f- film grain right. is just different within the scene. Uh, they don't do that here. It's uh, the complete opposite. That transition is so slick. I showed Danica for the, the scene four times without telling her the difference, and she's like, "I, I what, 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 what am I looking at?" She didn't see the transition. <laughs> she didn't see the transition, and then wow, once I wow. called it out, that's like, neat. Wow, I saw your tweet, so I was looking for it. Did you, and you saw it, right? Yeah, yeah. It is slick. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen the movie, but except you tweeted to... it. <laughs> it's like, oh, you if you don't follow, if you listen to the podcast and don't follow me on Twitter, you could uh, you could go go rent that movie right. and, and appreciate it because that well done, well done. Yeah. <laughs> is that you think that's going to be the new standard uh, for 4K HDR Blu-rays? I can't. I'm not qualified enough to to judge that. Okay. I think that um, you're reading just, reviews. You're like, just qualified to judge the. IMAX to 35 yes. millimeter transition. Yes. Okay. <laughs> My subjective opinion there. Uh, I think the four, the, and it's a good question for Patrick. If you were to, if you bought your, um, your new OLED HDR big screen television, I guess two questions. One, what is the essential <laughs> disc? Because we're not talking about download or digital, right? You want the high bit rate. What is the essential oh, disc yeah. you have to buy? So like a guy, somebody comes to your house and says, show me what TVs can yep. do nowadays. What and you, then what two, what is the game you put on? Because I, I think those are oh. two sides of the same question. Oh, man. I don't know the game stuff deep enough at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still... Uh, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, too. That's, that's my <laughs> answer probably. for the game. Probably. That's, that's a good one. Um, 
Man, I'm still kind of obsessing uh, over The Last Jedi. Um, oh, does it look good? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was oh, partially just because some of what's going on there. Um, anytime you have the darkness of space and explosions, it gets pretty crazy in HDR. Um, I also just so many of this kind of set piece scenes in that film. I don't want to do any spoilers, but so many of the pivotal scenes in that film are just the colors are extraordinary and the mm-hmm. color choices they made mm-hmm. and the visual effect. Um, you know, because it's it's just I, it's just one I think about a lot. Uh, I'm also it, this is not one I would probably use for that demo, but I really want to see Solo in 4K HDR because I want to see so much of that film looks like it was designed to be watched in HDR because it's so freaking dark um, in so many of the scenes, and I really am curious to see what detail my 1080p projector can't uh, uh, can't resolve. We Duck. saw Solo together, I think, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Jeremy, you have a pick? I would think it would be an animated film, just because they can render at 4K. Coco. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's, Coco yeah. at 4K HDR is my animated pick for the, the, the things you show. Uh, and then for live action, Dunkirk. Dunkirk hmm. shot in IMAX. Okay. I'm laughing because like, it's two movies that are exquisite. I, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I don't know if I will ever be able to watch Dunkirk oh, I again. I love it. I, I, I'm, I've been putting off watching it. Like, I've, 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 I've watched most of his films about a billion times, but that was so wrenching, that ride he takes you on. Um, I, Yeah, incredible film. Uh, and Coco, of course, makes me weep every time at the end. I actually uh, don't have a, a physical media 4K player. I just stream on iTunes. Most people don't. You're missing so much. Most, I mean, what, what is the the game console, right? The Xbox One yeah. X is the one that has the 4K yeah. decoding. PlayStation 4 Pro doesn't have it. And Patrick, so do you recommend people get like a dedicated 4K I'm, player? I'm, yeah, I mean, Robert and I are both extremely bullish on physical media because I, you know, I could I. There was a point where you know I was kind of like, yeah, you know, Netflix is, is pretty good, and then I ended up a being um, side by side, uh, Downton Abbey in Blu-ray versus the Netflix, and it was astonishing how washed out uh, it looked in in the heavily compressed version. That that's not even 4K. You're just talking about HD. That was yeah, that was just yeah. 1080p HD. In 4K, um, the the side by side I did was for Planet Earth because Planet Earth Two is yeah. in 4K HDR on Netflix. And it looked uh, it looked great streaming, and so much 4K HDR looks great uh, on like iTunes. But when there's fast mo- when there's motion, that's where I notice it. That's yeah. where the compression happens. Yeah, I can see that. Any kind of noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, let's get through pop culture. Last couple things. Uh, Star Wars Disney released these new animated shorts, kind of mm-hmm. retelling it's part of the original Star Wars story. Uh, they're very stylized almost anime-like, and I think I would love to see... This is what I'd hope to see from the Star Wars Resistance animated show, which has really fallen off my radar now, but very labor-intensive. They're very short little vignettes um, telling, you know, Luke's story, Vader's story. Uh, super fun to watch. They're all online. They're to, to promote a new Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of these. Like, they're... they're oh, too stylized for you. Uh, it's not the style of the animation so much as the, um, just the quirky sense of humor that they have. It's like a very Lego Star Wars. You know, you got like R two D two skidding to a halt and C three PO bumbling around, and they use the audio from the movies, and the music is all there, 
but you have this wait, wait. Sl- slapsticky comedy. But, but you're talking about, you just point out the two slapstick characters. The Vader one is full on serious. Well, that didn't happen. Like, that was completely out of uh, the end of... Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't want to see that. That's not a part of A New Hope. Like, that was just... that was, And also, like, kind of gruesome. It's awesome. <laughs> this is the good... I mean, animation can be dark. And but for, like, to premiere YouTube Kids with the, with a choking scene... Oh, kids, kids love it. <laughs> oh, no kids doubt. No doubt. No love doubt. It. Uh, there's the Wampa scene from Empire. Uh, I, I just... I, hopefully these are yeah. well received enough that they can tell some original stories in this style, uh, because I would be I would be all down for that. Uh, there's a console wars. Was this a book? Was it a book? You have not read. The I console have not wars? read console wars. I am yeah. aware of the concept of the console wars. I lived it, Jeremy. That's true. It. Yeah, you did live this one. This was uh, basically Sega entering the console scene. Okay. Uh, with the Master System and then mm. the Genesis. Right, where they took on Nintendo. Yeah. Who would take on Nintendo? See, this is the plot of Wreck-It Ralph 2. Wreck-It Ralph 3. <laughs> like, should, like come on. Yeah, right. Like, this, this kind of, like, dramatic, we're at the 25th anniversary of PlayStation. Like, we have the NES Classic. Like, this kind of old school. The, yeah, man. Like, the tension between consoles and arcades, like, should have been. There's opportunity there, Disney. Well, it, this is, they're taking the opportunity here. Like, it, you can't roll Vanellope Von Sweets into the console wars. Not easy. You can rewrite your fiction, but okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a book came out, what, like five years ago. Have you read it? It's, uh, you know, about what we talked about. Yeah. You know? yeah no. You, you didn't read it? It's, it's an interesting read. It's good. It's well worth your time. Um, it's good drama. It, when you read this book, you come out of it thinking that Sonic the Hedgehog 2, in particular, was like up there with the Sistine Chapel. It's like, it was wow. like, like an amazing accomplishment. Technical achievement. Well, also just gameplay design-wise. Yeah, just okay. like they nailed it. Like the, what they hit with that was all the right notes. And people who lived through that um, will tell you that it was... Uh, so is this a new tough. documentary? Is it a new uh, fictional uh, like, like It's a TV series. Okay. We, don't, we don't know who it's gonna, what network it's going to huh. be on, but Seth Rogen is helping to produce it, and they're turning it into a TV series. Mm. I, that's great, man. More, more old... And like, it seems like the right time for that. The people who grew up with this stuff want to watch documentaries about it. A lot of money and nostalgia. Yep. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of money and nostalgia. Okay, uh, before we go into tech news, I have one more story I want, that is... I just put it in pop culture because it seemed like the only place to put it, but I think it'd be a fun thing to talk about. Uh, have you heard about this $100,000 bet in Vegas? Love it. Love it. I, uh, this I, is I totally in, the article in, when you posted it. In would you rather territory. Uh, <laughs> but there are two. Well, can we just pose the question to each of us? Sure. Well, I'll give you the context, set it up. Great. There are two high stakes poker players who created a prop bet, a side bet, when they were chatting with each other over a poker game, and heads up, hold on. And they were having this conversation of how much, how, how long do you think you could stay in a, a pitch black room? Like how long could you endure in that room? With no technology. With, with no yeah. lights, no technology, you have food, and we'll get into like the specifics of the circumstances, but basically isolation. Isolation, how long could you be in a room and how much would it cost for you to be in, in that room? And one of the players, very confident of himself, said that he thinks he could do 30 days in a pitch black room. And he would do it for $100,000. So terms were established. Money was put in escrow. Deals were made. A room was set up. And as we are podcasting right now, this guy in Las Vegas, because that's where it can happen, is in a pitch black room. Now, let me describe the, the room. The, I don't know how big. I don't, I don't think they talk about like dimensions. But what you have is, I imagine in my head, 
like not too much bigger than this podcast room. A bed, a refrigerator with no lights. There's food stored there. And you have a shower and a toilet and a bathroom, a toilet seat. So the, I think the shower and the bathroom are private and they're night vision cameras so that the outside world, your family members can monitor you and, and make also make sure you're not dead. Make sure you're not dead. They're not streaming this. Schrodinger's poker no, player. No, no, no. This is going to be, <laughs> they're actually, this is their big money making venture. They're going to be saving this footage and hopefully at the end of this, if it goes well, turning it into some type of reality show or something, mm-hmm. whatever. But you're being monitored by the outside. Now, now no technology cavity search going in you got no lights well now hold on now he that he put a stipulation that he could perform a cavity search but he didn't actually do but it. he didn't do it and because there's privacy in the shower and in the bathroom he could have a a flashlight he could have a yeah anything he but is, he is, uh, let's just assume he doesn't have it he does have to do urine tests periodically to yes. make sure he's not taking any kind of drugs to pass right. the time right <laughs> so the other thing that I, th- I thought was super fascinating is passage of time right Without any technology, you have no idea, day or night, you, like, you think, okay, I'm just going to sleep through it all. You know what? You go sleeping, your body can only take so much right. sleeping. Right. And when you're sleeping, that's actually bad for you because you, you might take a one-hour nap and assume you slept for eight hours. You have no idea. And you don't know whether you've counted the days. And they're not feeding him on a regular schedule. So there's food delivery, but the food delivery is at a random schedule between three and six days. So at the very minimum... You're going to get like five food deliveries or right. 10. So, but they basically randomized it so he can't be like, it. okay, that's the. Because for me, what freaks me out about this is, um, I mean, one, I don't like being locked in boxes, period. Yeah. Uh, not even ones with light. Oh my God. Um, and two, they've pretty much eliminated the ability to mark time. That's, exactly. the, that's, the, that's the thing. And that's, that's you might go insane after three days. That yeah. is 30 days. I mean, because we we know that that isolation, being being kept in isolation, is bad for people in general. Maybe not all people, but for the vast majority of people. And this is, you know, I mean, this this you know, this this is not a sensory deprivation tank, but it is certainly taking away a lot of what allows you to function. I mean, you could also say that poker players are particularly interesting because they make their living in places that are engineered to make it impossible to tell when time <laughs> is passing, right? Well, but and you have engagement. Yes. The mental Very intense engagement. Yeah. So what are the rituals you would do? Uh, you could exercise. If you build in a ritual, like a, you know it will take you two hours to do this ritual, mm-hmm. that's how you would measure your time or you want to physically exhaust yourself yeah it it has to be mental like you can't have a you can't have a you don't read there's no puzzles you can solve it's in the dark you you can't draw yeah you can't even mark the passage of time Right, like your own sense of it. Whatever well, that I mean, might you, be. I would you'd scratch, the, the, scratch. The problem is, what? is, scratch what though? You have no references. I would take the toilet paper and peel, break off a sheet, yeah. put it in the corner, and have it. Oh, count the and, sheets. Count the sheets. But that, that's the problem, though. Is, is, is your? But I mean, <laughs> oh no, I tore them. I spilled my sheets. <laughs> Norm's counting his sheets. I mean, it, 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 not too long from now, Norm, you're going to tell your child. Five minutes. Just leave me alone for five minutes. And 34 seconds later, it's five minutes up. And you're going to be like, I'm going to be a good father and not exterminate oh this God. incredibly five, irritating five minutes creature. minutes of crying feels, feels like three hours. It's all, it's all relative. And three hours of crying feels like an eternity. But, the, uh, but, but it's, it, you don't have – yeah, you can count. Is that, I mean, are you, are you talking about is that your, your, your game, your amusement? 
uh, the stack the toilet paper game? I mean, for me, it is all about how much time is left. So when the food comes, I'm saying I'm pounding on the door saying, "Just tell me how much time is no, left." No, you can't. They, that's they that, won't. They won't. And so yes, I would. I mean, I would count the toilet sheets too, just could so you, I could have my own idea. Could you? I mean, okay. Could you manage to, through tracking your diet, have a regular enough bowel movement oh, to make that like this. a time tracking tool? Oh, this is why you're on the podcast, Patrick. <laughs> now you're thinking. I finally the added something to the podcast after all these years <laughs> yeah, of trying. The things of re- the regularity, <laughs> being regular. Uh, yeah, but then they put something in your food to make you more regular, and then it messes your cycle up. Well. But at least it would give you something to latch on to, even yeah. if it was incredibly false. Yeah. So you're counting your bowel movements. You, you count that. Okay. You count your meals, hunger, right? Right. I mean, could you be, I mean, if you could have a, I think the stipulation was you could bring whatever food you want in. So could you be satisfied you, yeah, you physically? Can, and you, I think you can order whatever food you want. So would that physical satisfaction, would that be enough to stave off the mental? Oh, dude, the only reason you do this is for the money. Just think about the money. It's just thinking about that sweet money. Think about hundred thousand dollars. It's all end, or nothing too. At the it's, end of the tunnel, and uh. it's not a lot. I mean, because one of the things they talk about in the article uh, that's up on Pocket Vibes is it ends up being like one hundred and forty dollars an hour is the right. So this is, I mean, this is a pure pride. This is a stunt, um, you know. And who knows? Maybe it's a void. Can, I mean, can he get out if he has to be let out? Will I they let him out? I think there's probably a safe word or a safe. Oh, yeah. He's, he's yeah. Got, I'm sure whoever's yeah. putting up the money would love for him to <laughs> get out. Because they get to keep the footage. Yeah, and they got the story. They got the story. On uh, The world's a messed up place. <laughs> what amount of money? Let's, let's, go, let's, let's put it out to, to our panel here. Jeremy. Yeah. How long do you think you'd be in a room? I've always thought I could do pretty well. Like, I've always thought, like, in solitary confinement, I would be well This is not solitary. This, this is beyond is solitary. Beyond solitary. I know. No, I know, but I... I think you'd do very well in prison. However, uh, this is a little beyond the prison no, I, situation. I, I, I would rather be in solitary in, in prison, probably. But yeah, with the yes. book. Yeah. The, uh, the, the bathtub, I think, is a nice addition. That's a pretty luxurious and black Apparently, room. it's got lots of bath salts and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and if there are night vision cameras... Those do put off a little bit of light. Like he's not completely oh, the blind IR. in there. Yeah. Oh. So you I could adapt. Maybe you could. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's, he's evolving. At the end of the month, like he doesn't want to leave. <laughs> no. <laughs> no lights. No lights. My precious. <laughs> give, give me. Give me a time though. Give me a time. One week. Two weeks. I think I could do. I mean, I could certainly do. I think I could do a week. I you could do, I could a week. do a week. I'm a week. If, if, it, if it was a hundred thousand dollars a week. Oh yeah, easy. Oh, easy. Oh, okay. definitely, definitely. Patrick, I, I, you know, I would do this to like save my children, and I, there's probably not enough money in the planet. Well, there is, but it, it would be it everyone's would be, got a price. It would be yeah. I would do this for fuck you money, um, <laughs> <laughs> but not much short of that. <laughs> for how long? For thirty days? For thirty days? Yeah, I'd do it. Say, yeah, I'd do thirty days to save my children. I don't think I could try. do thirty days. I don't if know if it was life or death. Yeah, I, I, I'd endure the thirty did, days. Yeah. I mean, this is. But, this is a bad place I, for humans that are, you know, normally around a lot of stimulus yeah. um, to be in. There's uh, someone else uh, who wants in on this on this offer and has wants up the ante, thinks they could do it for longer. And is it Will Smith? No, no, no. In, oh. in, in, in the in the betting community, one of their another in, in the article, they talk about. Yep. One person wants in and has offered. To raise the stakes by putting a live animal in the room with them, <laughs> what, like a like a pet, like a snake. Oh, forget that, like dude. a spider. 
Oh, God. It's Vin Diesel. <laughs> no way. All right, that does it for our long pop culture segment. Before we move on to our next segment, I want to thank the sponsor that made this episode possible, and that's Ops Genie. Because incidents happen, and they require complex coordination between operations and software development teams who are putting out fires every day. That's why getting alerts immediately is critical. Thankfully, there's Ops Genie by Atlassian. Ops Genie empowers devs and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control during incidents, giving those teams the power to respond quickly and efficiently to unplanned issues. And it helps notify all the right people through a smart combination of scheduling and escalation paths that account for things like time zones and holidays. It tracks all activity and provides useful insights to improve further incident responses. With Ops Genie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit OpsGenie.com to sign up for a free company account and add up to five team members. That's OpsGenie.com. Never miss a critical alert again with Ops Genie. All right, back to something a little more lighthearted, <laughs> less serious. Apple's, Apple phone sales. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, Apple is not doing so well selling their, their new phones. No. Their new, their new iPhones this well, year. They're not? Well, there was a rumor a couple weeks ago that Apple had reduced orders from its suppliers uh, on parts across all of their new phones, the right. 10R, 10S, and 10S Max. And now... They've done something they have not done before, I think, which is to offer a huge uh, trade-in um, value for for new phones. So they're promo they're doing promo deals such as up to three hundred dollars off a of phone for you to get your to get a new iPhone XR for four hundred and fifty dollars, which is three hundred dollars less than their asking price. Right. Wait, wait, wait! If I trade in my old phone, if you trade in your old phone, what phone? Does it matter? I'm not sure uh, which. Uh, your like, current, I just says creating your current iPhone. Huh. Okay. Um, an iPhone Seven Plus, or or newer, or newer. Interesting. Yeah. Which you can't get for you can't get that three hundred dollars for an iPhone Seven Plus. I, I on think. eBay. I don't think so. <laughs> or I, anywhere. Yeah. Huh. Um, and uh, it, all the forecasts. I mean, they had lower expected guidance um, for their next quarter. Uh, it, I think this is all a factor of the iPhone 10 being very successful in that first year and being maybe too successful. When you ask people to spend $1,000 plus on a phone, it turned out people will, but the trade-off is they probably won't buy the next phone next year. Right. That they stretched out the buying cycle. I yeah. mean, they they lost, they, they, you know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about sort of market capitalization and stuff, but their stock's been hammered. Ooh. Uh, and part of that's also the the trade war stuff that's going mm-hmm. on in, in, in U.S. politics. And But yeah, it's not doing well. Uh, now, Tim Cook has said, you know, he's really hammered in AR. AR is the next big thing. And while we are fascinated by the technology and look forward to whatever they put out in, in that kind of mixed reality space, is that going to be a flash in the pan? Is it going to be more like iPhone or more like iPad? Uh, both successful, but iPad definitely not the world-changing yeah. uh, device that the, the iPhone was. Well, the good news is it will be a new product category. And so it will be one that can rapidly improve year upon year as uh, opposed to the phone, 
which has gotten to a point where it's just good enough for most people and we don't need the new one. And I don't think that's good enough for Apple, though. It's just a product that can grow year on year. You know, if watches were in the third year of watches and that's growing year on year and they are dominant in the the, uh, the category in terms of money, but it's not iPhone. It's not, none of these products are going to replace, for Apple's bottom line perspective, what iPhone is, has, is, has done. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's worrying. It's really, it's really weird to look at this company and think that, that, no, they were not the first with a GUI, but they, they did something completely different and pushed, you know, and basically drug Microsoft. Microsoft eventually had to do what Apple did to sort of be competitive in operating systems by like 90, 1995. And, but they, they did this huge evolution in how people interface with computers. And then they kind of took all of this stuff that was floating around and came up with what we think of as, as the smartphone. Um, yes, there were lots of the features, but they took it to an entirely new level. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's really amazing to think of, you know, what was this, how a lot of things were implemented and in, in, integrated into phones, and then how everything changed in that entire industry after the iPhone was released. And that's, you know, that's that's two huge evolutions. That's two amazing kind of groundbreaking industry leading things. That's I think a lot for any. Well, I, I think we talk about the the first one being music and iPods. Yeah, they changed the industry, oh, made them a three. ton of, <laughs> uh, t- you know, made made them a ton of money. Yeah, um, but it faded. It like had a growth and it waned. And well, maybe but, that was but a, it also it faded because they came up with the smartphones that fundamentally replaced, replaced it. That's it. right. So if Apple, if AR is the next thing, and if smartphones are waning to some extent, I don't think it will be the same trajectory as as yeah. the iPod, but. If they see the it waning now, diminishing returns, and we've talked about this in reviewing the sm- smartphones, they're kind of you know they're luxury commodity products now, right? Everyone has one, but it is diminishing returns year on year. Uh, there are things like five G that we may get excited about, but they're kind of iterative improvements. Sure. We don't want them to rush their next thing to market, and that could kill a category if they rush their AR glasses to Nobody market. Nobody wants another Apple Maps. Yeah. Uh, so, in one sense. I would rather see them fail a little bit and have you know them have the expectations set. It's maybe that won't be the case because they need to please their shareholders, um, and just wait till the right time the tech is in place to put something out like their glasses. I I mean can I I like VR. Can it be as ubiquitous as a phone? Well, we don't know. AR. Sorry. Yeah. Aren't, yeah. Someday. Just it's not obvious how it will happen in the near future. And all of the amazing leaps and bounds that you guys mentioned were all done by somebody who's no longer with us. Yeah, I was trying really hard not to bring that up. At the, <laughs> at the, at the helm. And it's been a long time since Steve Cook has been in charge, and they have not had any kind of groundbreaking Steve product. Cook. Tim Cook. Steve Cook. Did I? Yeah, that's Tim. <laughs> Tim Jobs. <laughs> uh, at the helm... To some extent, I mean, you mean like shepherding internal teams or building business relationships and and who, you know, who all the above. Apple knows. Everything the CEO yeah. does. Yeah. But I mean, it, 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 the singular force that guided the evolution of the products uh, and held them to a higher standard. They completely, I mean, because I've, I've talked to a couple of people who were kind of in rooms with Steve Jobs and universally they all. You know, these are also people who did not stay with Apple, so they they did not drink the Kool Aid. You know, but you know, bastard, prick, and asshole are three of the most common words used to associate being in a meeting. But he also, you know, had accomplished quite a bit. I mean, this is somebody you know, Apple, Pixar, the revival of Apple. 
you know, there's, there's the man accomplished a lot and I don't think he suffered anyone gladly, much less fools, but, um, you know, that kind of singular guiding force is something that is astonishingly difficult to create. I mean, it's also really interesting, you know, to look at where Microsoft is now, um, you know, in terms of how they are kind of evolving as a company and, and trying so desperately to to remain relevant as more and more people do more and more things. They're actually phones. being very successful. They're incredibly financially successful, and I oh think they're goodness. also functioning a lot better than they had yeah. in a long time. Yeah, smart so. pivot. Good, good for... For Nutella. Uh, so, new products on Apple's side. Um, news wise, we have a report that Apple will probably be skipping 5G. I have a hard time believing that. Well, it's not because they want to, it's because of their s- spat with Qualcomm and who <laughs> makes the radios. You know, Apple doesn't make the radios, Qualcomm has the patents. They want to pay that cut. They'll sell better cameras, they'll sell better, they'll make their own processors, but they can't make their own radios with those patents in place. I'm just saying it would take a lot of hubris to release a phone next year without 5G and expect that your feature set otherwise is strong well, enough. That, yeah. I, that sounds a lot like Apple, though. <laughs> it does. Doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. it sound like one year later than everyone else? But still... They did with 3G, enough? right? Like the first iPhone, yeah, 2G. I mean, I want desperately at this point to 5G in the real world to remotely resemble the performance of 5G in the labs. Because, uh, you know, the, the more you sort of dig into it, it's, you know... It's going to be, you know, there's going to be no lag. It's going to have all of the bandwidth. It will transport everything. It will change, you know, your knitting needles will speak to your car while Whoa. you're transporting. I hadn't heard that one. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm mocking the, somewhat. The lab specs are so off the chart, though, 200 gigabit, that if it's a small fraction of that, it's still going to be an enormous leap. Absolutely. Uh, and that's also assuming you can actually access any of it um, for anything that resembles a reasonable price. Not that I, I you know... I am very curious to see where it is in a year, um, you know, because I remember how awesome WiMAX was going to be. Remember how WiMAX changed? Oh, it didn't. I mean, unlike something, you know, 4K and TVs where the tech was there, but it needed the other half, needed the content. Yeah. With something like networks, it, you don't need to wait for anything else. If the yeah. radios are there and they're broadcasting, you could take advantage of it now. Immediate benefits. Uh, Wi-Fi is also getting a, a little bit of an upgrade too. So, Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi is their new their new Wi-Fi standards. Huh? Yeah. Well, and they're also changing it uh, to numbers. Yes. <laughs> no. No more B. Oh God. A B G N A C. Is that is that where we're at now? Mimo. <laughs> uh, back to Apple yeah. products. Um, no eleven AX. If you want to look it up later. Oh wait, Wi-Fi six. Wi-Fi six. <laughs> Hmm. Wi-Fi 10.1. AirPods, Apple's probably most successful accessory to date. Uh, No wireless charging, inductive charging in the AirPods till probably um, next year. Wait, so the one you have does not have inductive charging? No. Okay. Uh, They were supposed to refresh one this year with a new case with inductive charging, but they never released the AirPower mat. Yeah. For whatever reason. Uh, Probably a technical problem is what people are saying. But... The reports uh, from the analysts are that that will come next year, and then there will be a new AirPod design in 2020. So you're pretty safe getting a pair of AirPods in terms of obsolescence. Getting getting one this year is it's not a bad idea. Patrick, you know? how is it that a rigid, hard plastic earbud has become the godsend everyone makes it out to be? Because Apple is so goddamn good at marketing. Is it marketing? Uh, I don't I know. I think it's I, pairing. I, I think it's the chip they have in for yeah, seamless I pairing. Mean, 
and that it, it, I I don't use them because they don't really stay in my ears. And, yeah. Um, they don't create a seal. They don't, probably don't sound that good, even. No, the, the, for me, I they the, the the music isn't good enough on them, and my ears are large enough that they don't particularly stay in my ear well. Yeah, uh, and I just don't need to lose, you know, half of a set of earbuds on a regular basis. I can't afford that kind of attrition in my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the what most people were comparing them with were the built-in headphones, so the the package, the pack-in headphones. And yeah, quality-wise, they're. Far superior, but anyone. But comfort and comfort-wise, they're probably about parity. They're the same, about the same. Yeah, yeah. But they still look. They look funny. They're I need a soft earbud that conforms yeah. to my ear canal and some, creates some. a seal and gives me that <laughs> sweet bass. Mm. Get some silicone, uh, like uh, this is some 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 tips that you can <laughs> yeah. swap in and out. That's what I use. Whoa. Love so it. So gross. So gross. <laughs> uh, Apple also making some concessions. In their partnerships, or is this Amazon making concessions? Who knows? Oh, this is good. But for people who subscribe to Apple Music and have Amazon Alexa devices, soon you'll be able to play music from one on the other. I mean, this is this is huge news. Apple does not do this on a regular basis with anybody. As far as I know, you can't listen to Apple Music on anything else. I think this is pure the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and this is Amazon and Apple kind of, you know, giving the finger to Google. Um. Oh, you think? Okay, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, Amazon is clearly winning mm-hmm. the uh, personal assistant device. Oh, yeah, HomePods. Right. Kind of dead. Right. Um, and so this is Apple saying, okay, we'll give you this one. Can Who wanted Apple Music on, on the Echo? You who, did. Who? You did. No, that's true. <laughs> but, because this now means I can actually save money. I can cancel Amazon Music Unlimited yeah. and just use my Apple Music. Right. I'll be curious to see how many devices you can stream to. So what did Amazon get for this? I'm wondering, like, which party wanted this? Like, because, or does it benefit both? Well, the other thing they did was Apple, Amazon has allowed Apple products to be sold on Amazon. Exactly. So yeah. that's, that's the concession. That, and that's good for Apple. Yeah. That's definitely good for Apple. But it's also good for Amazon. It, yes. I don't think the cuts are the same, the, the, the margins. Don't know. But that's definitely good for Apple. Amazon's not in the phone business anymore, but they are in the music streaming business. Yep. And they are in the prime, you know, get you to pay for $100 plus a month, $110 a year for, for a package of streaming services and other services. So it feels like Apple's getting the better end of the bargain here. Yeah. I mean, I, I also, I mean, in terms of where I, f- I feel, that in terms of where Amazon actually makes money, I don't think it bothers them that much. I don't think that, you know what I mean? It's not like that it's a big earner. It cements, to... it cements their hardware in the household. Definitely. Yeah. And their business, their strategy seems to be get that, yeah. s- get, get Cause uh, Alexa everywhere. Apple Music was much more successful than I thought it was. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a drop in the bucket compared to Spotify, but it's a much, you know, it, and why it's Spotify is is much bigger, but Apple Music is much bigger than I had thought it was. Um, no, it speaks to the failings of iTunes. Man, uh, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on the failing of iTunes. That needs to be a rethought entirely. Uh, it just needs to be taken out back and shot like old Yeller. But the uh, it's it's I mean it's it's interesting to realize it's it just it's incredible. They probably may simply be responding to lots of people being like, "Why can't I get my Apple Music on my Echo? Why can't I get my Apple Music? Just make the deal happen!" You know. Yeah, but it's not a deal you would expect to happen. No, it's not. But the big coup would be if they allowed 
FaceTime on those devices. With the ones with the screens or yeah. even audio? Because that's, audio remember devices. when FaceTime was announced. Yeah. You can get to Skype on those Dude, now. if they're going to do that, why not just messages? Send a text message to so-and-so. Because it's their killer app. You tell them this. Messages are the killer app. Maybe a limited form of messages. But remember, FaceTime was supposed to be an open platform. It was supposed to be, it's supposed to, any device was supposed to be able to use it. But I guess it was compelling enough that they needed to lock it into the Apple ecosystem. And now we have Facebook portal. <laughs> I, I, I know there's people listening who are probably saying, you've always been able to Bluetooth sync your iPhone to your Echo. Yep. And that's true. But you can't control it with voice. And that's the whole compelling aspect right. of those And devices. it's a concession to, for Apple on Siri to, to the Alexa side. Right, saying if people have a better experience using Alexa controllable music, that's not good for the Siri team. Man, maybe this was the the trade off for finally having you know Amazon Video on the iPhone. <laughs> Dude, what if next iPhone they got rid of Siri and it's Alexa? No, no, no way, no way, <laughs> no way. The the data they get from yeah. those and the the, 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 yeah. the learning they get from just never. Yeah, it's okay. such valuable data. I, uh, but you as a Apple Music subscriber, let yeah. us know what that experience is like using Apple Music on the Echo. With, I will with, report with, back. With Alexa. And Starting whether it like feels the, limited. The 14th or something like yes. that? All right. Yes. 17th? All right. All right. Uh, a little bit of side news. Uh, Starbucks is, I can't believe this wasn't a thing already, but <laughs> starting next year, they are going to start blocking porn mm. sites on its public Wi-Fi. Yeah. People, this, this was a thing? <sighs> Today I learned. Yeah. <laughs> this was a real problem? Okay. Yeah. Now, I thought it would be a bigger problem if they had decided to block Fortnite What's on their public Wi-Fi. Or Netflix. Or Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. What's weird, like, their official statement is, while it rarely occurs, the use of Starbucks public Wi-Fi to view illegal and egregious content is not, nor has ever been permitted. We have identified a solution to prevent this content. Well, straight up block it. Censor exactly. it. Like, like Anybody could have told them a solution years ago. Like, there's five easy ones. Yeah, and anybody who's got the, anybody who's got the the stones or the anybody who's, <laughs> anybody who's got, got the, the ovaries or the seat. testes the, to the yeah. special seat at the Starbucks, right? Yeah, you need to redesign the Starbucks layout so, so no, many, no backs to the the chairs. So many bad squishy thoughts going through my head right now. Um, no, but I mean anybody who's anybody. Man, anybody who's who who will watch porn in a Starbucks is probably going to be the first person to just put a fucking VPN on their phone or their laptop and dodge the blocking. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, how dare you take away my? <laughs> you know, you see those photos from time to time with these meme photos of people with like large gaming setups at airports, playing like driving sims right. or playing like no. hardcore PC games I've or never VR. Seen this. The people like it's it's an anomaly, but like people share like, oh my god, that guy a, has deployed a PlayStation in the, in the airport <laughs> and is playing like a PlayStation on the ground plugged into the wall. Like, wow, you know what is the, the porn equivalent for that is the guy with the shroud who like <laughs> deploys the shroud over themselves at the Starbucks because they're they're enjoying the, the free Wi-Fi <laughs> at least till till next year. Uh, the cyber ban is very reminiscent, or at least sounds a lot like what Tumblr is doing in terms of banning uh, censoring some content. And what Tumblr's doing in terms of decimating their traffic. Yeah. Uh, Tumblr, which is still owned by Yahoo, I believe. Is that right? I lost track. <laughs> I, I believe so. Uh, Tumblr um, is going to start on December 17th mm-hmm. banning all adult content. Now, the definition of adult content is going to be it's, – it's, it's a wide-ranging. Boobies. You know, it, well – 
explicit posts, right? It, it's going to be they're going to need moderation and you know. I feel uh, somebody needs to say and you know, algorithms. There's there's non-explicit content on Tumblr. <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 it seems like they're destroying their own service, and the people who do still use Tumblr actively have complained that they could have spent a lot more money and time just building better moderation tools and, and serving their community better than this, this this new policy. Okay. I don't use Tumblr. I, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm that meme where I don't know what Tumblr is and at this point I'm too embarrassed to ask. Verizon it was, it was, owns, actually, this makes perfect sense. Verizon owns them. Oh. Okay. Why invest in things that'll make the customer's life easier when you can just charge them more per month and tell them you made their life better? Is it a blog? It's like medium, it's but like for, medium. Image, for memes. For memes. <laughs> it's like Pinterest, but yeah. before Pinterest. It's medium, but for sharing pictures and sometimes video and, and posts. Okay. But people, anyone could create their own website and yeah. create their own blog. Does Instagram kind of do that? Instagram is just pictures, though. It was. It this, was is, this is like WordPress. Tumblr is like WordPress, okay. gotcha. but yeah, Tumblr was a super simple blogging platform that you know what a lot of. I mean, literally, what a lot of what a lot is is you know jokes about prawn on on tumblr aside it used to be i think a lot of the community that is now on pinterest used to be on tumblr Hmm. um because it was a lot of like here is a picture it was you know somebody's like two hundred ninety-seven thousand entries of you know particular shoe stylings or fashion or you know whatever their particular jam was you could go deep on tumblr yeah all right uh other big news in the marketplace well, on the Valve side, Steam, uh, Valve had changed some uh, rev share numbers for, for Steam. And this happened uh, over the weekend. Uh, previously, 30% was what, what the rev share was. You know, Valve, if you, if you sell a game on Steam, Valve takes 30%, you get 70%. And uh, now they're changing it so that if you make more than $10 million, between $10 and $50 million, you get a bigger cut. Valve takes only 25% of this. The more they make, the less you pay. Okay. So it's the same as it used to be up until $10 million? Yes, still 30%. And okay. if you make more than $50 million, then it's a 20% cut. Now, it might sound great for publishers, and this is definitely a move to entice bigger publishers mm-hmm. to launch heavily on Steam because that's a lot of money. When you get 5%, you know, 10% yeah. difference at $50 million, a lot of money. But for indie publishers, not so great. <laughs> And so remember the struggles you made to feed yourself and keep your cat in cat litter while you were making that game? Well, it's they're not going to get any easier. Well, I thought that indie developers liked Steam. That's the complication. Steam was, you know, was a big marketplace for indie developers and a huge success story for people developing indie games as a distribution platform. Isn't it still? It is. Okay. But they feel kind of like a slap in the face. Ah, when this does not apply to them. does not apply to them. Right. And as alternative, Epic the makers of Unreal Tournament, and not so much Unreal Tournament now, but Fortnite, mm-hmm. has, is launching their own marketplace for which the rev share mm-hmm. is 88% to the developer. Wow. 12% to Epic. 12 across the dun, board. Dun, they they make something that makes so much money. I mean, they already well, gave Steve, back dude, a Steam, ton of money. Steam makes a lot of money. Right, but I'm talking about Epic makes so much money just from Fortnite. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah I get you. Billions on Fortnite that they'll do this just to spite Steam. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it too. And I think we've grown as a, a, a gamers have grown past the place. Remember the resistance, God, in, in 2000, 2004, 
right? The resistance to uh, to Steam, um, and then Steam became the de facto place to download and play your games. But now, people have UPlay. People use maybe less EA Play, but people use you know all sorts of services um, and are okay with it because RAM is cheap. <laughs> Epic also has their own game engine, which not too long ago they started giving away for free as well, and also giving developers who use Unreal Engine more money back. Yep. Uh, from from uh, they, they gave PUBG hundreds of millions. Because so literally, it's like the opposite of the Facebook model. Yeah. Where, you know, what is it, like 92, 98% of the advertising revenue that goes into Facebook stays inside of Facebook? It, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, but, but compared to Google, nobody really thinks of Google as being generous until you compare you know when you when you nobody there's nobody who who makes a living on youtube that thinks of of youtube as being particularly generous for, generous with the dollars but compared to facebook they're astonishingly generous mm. because facebook manages to keep everything inside the fence um and, and you know that 30% that steam launched with did seem generous back when people were selling games at brick and mortar stores uh but there's and it was zero cost. You reach a bigger audience, but it's kind of arbitrary. Like that thirty percent, it helped make Valve, you know, earn them billions well, of dollars. It's, it's Steam and Apple that are taking the thirty percent on the platform, <laughs> and it, that's just a number that got plucked out of nowhere. And, and you know, those platforms have to change. And I think now is a totally fine time for that to change. I wouldn't be surprised to see Valve come um, a, a Valve press release in the next week or two to change it to, to match. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's there's the numbers, there's the numbers game, and developers they care about that. Well, but there's also maybe not match, maybe not match because that's not. that's a lot. But yeah, because get closer. Fortnite, I mean, Epic, they have a lot of catching up to do, so they're gonna have to do stuff at a loss. Right, right, and also like as a as a business to run, what are Valve's costs, right? Like they build these business relationships, but they're just earning money being gatekeepers. We, we keep will all never the know. data. They are a private company making all the money. That, making all the money. And uh, we will never know what their costs are. And their their platform, to be honest, needs kind of to be overhauled. You know, Steam has been stagnant for a long time. Well, now, come on. They have the whole big screen mode. Big screen is great. Love big screen. Love. And, and some of their initiatives, very admirable. You know, the Steam Link. The controller, right. but the fundamental experience of launching Steam on your desktop PC to play your games and manage your library, that is dated. Hmm. The, this is, the, the failings of that system are reasons why Discord exists. Is there a clear, better solution in your mind? Is it just a UI overhaul? I think it's a UI and, and back end. Hmm. You know, it's, uh, Discord and Slack were the opportunities for Steam to build their community. And now... And, and I, that time may have passed because um, they don't have a game that people play in there. And this is where for, uh, Unreal with Fortnite may have a huge advantage because people are already on mm -hmm. their their software and, and using it to communicate and, and build a community. All right, uh, getting through a bunch of other uh, tech news. Microsoft stuff. Hey, okay. uh, big news, big rumor that Microsoft may be ditching Edge next year. Oh. Well, maybe not the brand, but Edge as a rendering engine, which is already a big change from Internet Explorer. Right. Uh, by all counts, better, but still not perfect, and it still required web developers to make sure they're 
uh, sites were compatible and mm-hmm. looked the same across uh, Safari, uh, Chrome, Chromium, and, and Edge. Well, the report is that Microsoft has a team that is working with Chromium, maybe skinned like Edge, but may not be devoting resources to developing a rendering engine anymore. Good. Why Very Chromium good. instead of Firefox? It's a really good instead question. Instead of Mozilla, I should say. Yeah. Hmm. Not sure. Huh. Isn't that interesting, though, that the, the one browser that was like all antitrust <laughs> and got taken down by the government is now dead? Like, it's not dead. It's still gets shipped on every single Windows machine. Exactly. I just, I, you know, I don't see a lot of people that use it, but right. I'm sure they're out there. No, that's fair. That's fair. They must be out there. Inner Explorer must miss the boat on the, on the speed and you know, memory efficiency wave. And, and Chrome <laughs> is at that risk right now. Everyone, what you associate with Chrome isn't speed because people, people take speed for granted and get plenty fast internet browsing on Firefox. It's memory. That's that's the cost. But I mean, like the last they have the Firefox Quantum was. A fire, I am actually using Firefox Quantum. I am starting to use it more than I'm using Chrome on certain machines, um, just because I I spent so many years like Firefox sucking down all the resources of my system, or or at least it felt that way. But but after they, you know, at the end of 2017 when they did Quantum, it's been amazing because I feel now that Chrome is bloated compared to Firefox Quantum or Firefox at this point. Um, it's it's. I don't know. I, I also had a friend of mine who who recently was just like, eh, we don't really think about browsers anymore when we design websites. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how good that's going to hold up. It's like, it's all about AMP. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Is that like it was all about Facebook last year? It's like, shut up. That was expensive. <laughs> uh, also, Microsoft side, um, updates to Windows. Here's a new feature. Mm-hmm. Very welcome. Uh, Windows may incorporate a feature that lets you uh, know exactly which application is using your microphone. Useful? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Skype. So you Skype? You guys still use Skype? <laughs> On occasion. I, I have resorted to Skype recently. Bad cellular <laughs> connection, and it's worked fine. It's I, fine. Yeah. I have friends that aren't on Discord yet. So. But what about for video chat? Skype is still kind of the de facto. I, mean, I, use, I use Skype. A week, one of the shows, well, this week in computer hardware, I'm on a Skype connection every single week. It is one of the singularly most frustrating uh it, it is. It may be in some ways the most frustrating tool I use on a regular basis. Wow. Um, yeah. uh, well, Skype, Microsoft is incorporating some AI into Skype to have real-time mm-hmm. captions what could for go video wrong? chat. I think mean, that's it's cool. It's cool that we could actually, that, that we're going to get to a place where mm-hmm. you can have almost close to real-time subtitles on video. I didn't, that, that feels like magic to me. It does. It does feel like magic, but also it, it's amazing to look at some of the translators that are out now. Pocket translators. I still, you know, holding something up to someone and having them speaking Mandarin into it, and then hitting a button and it spits out English at me. Love that. That's that. It that's pretty Buck Rogers Jetsons to me. That's that's a pretty amazing experience. That's yeah, so. Babblefish. Yeah, I I think that's one of the best awesome technologies out there. But the speech recognition, typically. No matter what your app is, it's still pretty problematic. <laughs> it will get to a place with machine learning where it will feel magical. I love your optimism. I'm, I'm, I'm here to be optimistic. Here, uh, machine. Speaking of machine learning, couple stories there. Nvidia, you see, guys, see this? Nvidia uh, showed a tech demo where they took captured video, uh, dash cam video, analyzed it, and then used it to basically build a real time deep fakes renderer mm-hmm. for cars for traffic so you could play 
a uh, driving simulator, and it would populate, instead of using built-in textures and geometry, right. it would just generate using video. I don't know what. Wait so they, it's, um, so they can feed videos into the AI. Yeah. This is 16 weeks of driving through the Grand Canyon. This is mm-hmm. 275 hours of driving through Manhattan. And you have semantic understanding of things with road, car, buildings. Yeah. And does it fill in 360? Like it, a it's essentially a 3D world? It can artificially, it can generate artificial worlds. It can basically be like, I want something that feels. You, I don't know if it's 360, but it's fast enough at 25 FPS. If you look yeah. around the field of view, it will, it will populate. Yeah. Really? So stuff the camera never saw. That's a really good question because the par- the perspective. I guess I don't I don't think there is camera change. Uh-huh. I think it's just ahead of you because that's the what that's the perspective the camera sees. Right. That does that's a really good really good question. I don't yeah. think they're shooting with three sixty video. But I can cameras. do things that the car never did. Like I can change yes. lanes where they, when they. Are I don't know. What then? What's the point? What? Well, the point is to reskin the world without to do it in real time without having to manually right say that's a car. That's you know you can generate generate world using existing data and kind of randomize and just fill streets with cars. Yeah. It's the same type of uh, technology that's used to like map animations on people. Right. Right. So like they'll t- use you know, basically a version of deep fakes, right? You'll, you'll take a person's uh, video of someone dancing and then using the machine learning generate in real time uh, an animation, the same dancing, but with a different face or different body um, and, and make you or, or, Take your image and put you yeah. on on a different body. I mean, it's it's kind of trippy because they they used Unreal Engine and you know Unreal every pixel in Unreal kind of gets a label, right? So this is a tree, or this is part of this tree. This is part of that car. This is part of that building. This is part of that guy running at you with a flamethrower. Um, you know, and they and then sort of the Unreal Engine fed this idea of this world into NVIDIA's neural model, mm-hmm. which then would be like, oh, okay, the AI is like, if this is a car, and it pulls a car out of its artificial intelligence ass and slaps the car. Basically, it's like real-time skinning from an AI. Um, What's the end game for this technology? Real-time texture mapping. Is it, it going to be used for AI cars that can drive themselves and detect the world and understand it as we do? That's one... Yes. I mean, you know, creating that, VR worlds, creating VR set pieces, creating, uh, you know, at a higher level if you need to do something. I mean, imagine if they could populate the graphics in a completely open 3D world doing this. In the distance, just yeah. in, the, in the background. doesn't even yeah. need to be stuff in the foreground. It's the same as filling in, you know, uh, the demo I showed about filling in uh, pixels for scenes, yeah. like the landscape scenes, mm-hmm. right? Or upscaling, right? This yeah. is, this is a, a way to do that. Yeah. Um, Google, uh, Google's AI blog posted uh, a feature about how the Pixel 3 uses uh, some deep learning and some machine learning to uh, do its fake bokeh mode, its portrait mode, using a single lens, just like the, uh, the iPhone XR. Okay. And a lot of stuff makes a lot of sense in terms of it's uh, just adjusting parallax, it's, 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 it's taking multiple pictures, it's using... Um, some uh, phase tech autofocus to, mm-hmm. to just compare left and right. Um, but some of that doesn't work very well if uh, 
there's, there's no distance between you and a subject. Um, so it combines that with some neural network understanding of like what the edge of your hair should look like, what if that subject is a person or a cat or a dog. <laughs> um, and to test it, it's kind of cool. They built this rig with this custom 3D printed rig that holds five pixel phones um, and took a bunch of pictures and then analyzed it to, to refine their, oh, their wow. neural net. Uh, with um, an engine that would run on mobile. So I think it was the TensorFlow Lite. Uh, really cool uh, blog post. I want to read a blog post about how they're doing that night site because that's the best thing I've seen so far out of the Pixel phones. Gishore likes that a lot. And Will likes it a lot too. Hmm. Something that, you know, I'm sure next year Apple will have something. If they don't have 5G <laughs> on their phones, have, have, an, have a better low light camera. Uh, all right, uh, last couple stories. PlayStation Classic mm-hmm. is out and people are buying it. So far, it has not been fully hacked yet, but because they're using just off-the-shelf emulation, uh, some people have found that if you plug specific certain brand high-end USB keyboards into the PlayStation <laughs> Classic, you can access the emulation menu, which lets you do things like add some scan lines, change frame rates, <laughs> uh, but not sideload games right. just yet. The guy just hit the escape key. That's how he got this menu to come up. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Not on all keyboards either. Is that true? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, is that, it's like certain high-end Corsair keyboards. Uh, we'll, we'll work for this. Um, on the robots news, two bits of robot news. The International Space Station has a robot on board. Okay, dude, this is important. You guys, have you seen this video? Yes, it's called Simon, <laughs> C-I-M-O-N. Seriously, if you watch one video this week, watch this one. It's really funny. It's not Robbie the Robot. It's not. <laughs> it's more Hal. <laughs> it's more Hal than anything. Yeah. But like Hal losing his mind. Um, now, what, it's Unintentionally. Cool. Do you know how expensive this robot is? How? Six million dollars. Wow. Basketball-sized robot. Holy Six smokes. million dollars, dude. Now, that's because it, it can operate in zero-G. It can pro- has propulsion, right? It can move left and right. This MacBook can operate in zero-G. I'm just saying. You're right. What you're saying is that <laughs> it, it can move around. Yeah, six degrees of movement. Navigate. That's expensive moving around. Yeah. <laughs> Wally ain't cheap. Dude. Uh, yeah, no, and it's The neat. first one's always expensive. Right. <laughs> Did it need a face? The guy... Dude, the quality of that face is like 1986. It's no good. Um, the guy said other things to worry about. <laughs> ro- rotate positive yaw 90 degrees, and it did. Like, that's cool. Very, very slowly. Yes, but still, like of its own power, of its own little propulsion. Isn't and then, he? and then it. Yeah, then talk it, back to the astronauts. And then it like would get stuck <laughs> in music mode. Would talk back. He kept telling the astronaut not to be so mean. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the comedies. It's like, doesn't seem to be finished yet. <laughs> you just got like, wouldn't stop talking about music. Um, and it's built on, I would say it's, uh, and, isn't it built on Watson? And IBM's the, I, Watson? That would make sense, but is it like all self-contained? I mean, it's not cloud-based, is it? And then he started, like, he would propel himself, himself. It is a male voice. It would propel itself down to the ground, mm-hmm. like without com- being told to do that. What is the ground? <laughs> it's neat. I mean, I wonder how they tested it. You know, you can't easily test zero g propulsion. Well, it's also right there. The the astronaut who's kind of paired with this uh, mm-hmm. device, right? Where is it? Okay, so Airbus representatives wrote in the mission description, they will experiment with crystals, work together to solve the Rubik's Cube, and perform a complex medical experiment using Simon as an intelligent flying camera. 
And uh, it's one of those moments where it's like, so your AI thing replaces a YouTube video yeah. on solving the Rubik's Cube and calling down somebody from the other end of the spaceship to shoot B-roll for you. And, <laughs> I mean, and, 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 you know, small steps. Small steps. It's just, it's just I, if there's a scientific experiment here, it's to subject astronauts to the horrors of of speech recognition that we all get from Siri and Alexa and uh, see how it affects You know, they could have just sent up a Siri or an Alexa right. or a Google Home. And I mean, I would take a robot that just recognizes subjects on the ISS or recognizes things and just follows people around. It doesn't even be flying, wall fix, mm -hmm. but like just purely as a camera, you could you take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, this type of interactivity, I think, is way unnecessary. We'll need to get there. I guess this is the first step in experimenting what that means, mm -hmm. but it's not there. It's far away from there. And what will never be there is our pal Jibo. <gasps> Aww, oh, no. the, the smart robot that was. Uh, Jibo, the company, unfortunately, the social robot, um, didn't sell enough. So the company, Jibo, has sold its IP assets. Uh, so it probably is dead. Well, uh, someone this bought was the, them. This was the one with the big eyeball that kind of looked like the lamp from the Pixar It did look like the lamp, yep. And the eyeball was basically a really poor LCD screen. screen. Where you could see the rectangle. <laughs> you could totally <laughs> see the rectangle. Yeah. yeah. We have one. Really? We, yeah, I can show it to you. That would be the only one I've, I've never... I, 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 it was one of those things where somebody's like, you have to see this. And I remember being like... The robotics are good. Yes, yes. totally. The, the the animation, the idea of a, uh, a robot that elicits human emotion, I think they had something there. It's just a lot of it's the software, and the software is really expensive to develop. And right. if you can't do it at scale, it's not going to be a good experience. I mean, this is also one of those crazy things where it was like $3.5 on an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign, another $73 million in venture capital kind of attached onto that. Um, this is going to be your social robot. It's going to change everything. And it was announced before there was a, an Echo, Amazon Echo. Yeah. And that kind of killed the need. Turns out people don't need an eyeball looking at you or don't want it. <laughs> or don't need it following you around the house. It was before Echo. Wow, that was a while ago. Make me a sandwich. It was the, but it was like the company no was founded in 2012. And then in 2014, they did the, the funding campaign on Indiegogo. Um, and they didn't start shipping until 2017. Yep. Time Magazine, one of the best inventions of the year. Pour one out for our buddy Jibo. We'll, we'll keep him plugged in yeah. until the power goes out. I think that may be it for the podcast. Do we want to do a, a one last segment, Jeremy? That was short. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. This is a favorite topic of ours. I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're going to pour one out for Jibo, you can celebrate the Oculus Go because it won Popular Science's Gadget of the Year. Wow. What, what was it up against? <laughs> well, it was up against uh, the Galaxy Note 9. Boring. All right. Um, the Magic Leap? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's interesting that it was even on the list. Yeah. Because while it is interesting... There's not a whole lot to do on it quite yet, and it's not even really intended for non-developers yet. So they really factored into the accessibility of the Go and the pricing. The Mavic 2 Zoom. 
oh god that's a that's a compelling product i mean but this is also a pretty random list even for popular science because they've also got the you know uh the the qtm 052 millimeter or the qtm 52 millimeter wave antenna module by qualcomm yeah uh, they're not gonna put that on the cover yeah. No. Uh, Sleep Buds by Bose. New Gorilla Glass. The Hero 7. There's a lot of interesting things on here. Sure. It's interesting because it, it's definitely a niche product, but it's the first real like push that Oculus made to the casual yeah. consumer. For mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream. That's the better word, isn't it? Good Good yeah. for them. Yeah, I just wish them. it was six degrees. Well, got to wait till next year. Have you tried the Quest? You know about the Quest? Yes. Okay. I have not tried it yet. Okay. Next year. Yeah. Yeah, four hundred bucks. I I bet that's going to win a bunch of awards. If, I, yeah. if it delivers on it promises and performance is there and battery life is there, then I'd say that's the shoe in for next year. Yeah, I would I would probably be buying more goes for people in my life this Christmas if Quest wasn't if on Quest horizon. wasn't three months away. Yeah, yeah. Save your money, save your money, kids. <laughs> I know that's not what Oculus probably wants to hear. <laughs> they, um, but they said Go is selling very well. So there you go. Uh, and any more other VR news? It's been a while. We're going to record an episode of Projections this week. We'll, we'll talk more about some games and experiences we've been playing, uh, getting back into the group of things. Uh, it's a little quiet. Yeah. I got to ask, what, what are your favorite sort of Oculus Go you know, or Daydream games right now? There are no good Daydream games right now. <laughs> there, there isn't an Oculus Go killer app. There just isn't. Okay. I mean, for games. Like we, we, even when they launched, Oculus said themselves, and we agreed that it's mainly for consumption. Media you know, consumption. it's great to take with you to get some privacy when you're surrounded by people. Right. And just watch, not, just not at Starbucks. Watch Netflix, uh, or what have you. Yeah, it's it's great for watching movies, but that sick that three off is so constraining. Lean back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but there, that said, there are some good games, and we will be talking about them this week in projections. I think. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 Uh, that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much, Patrick Norton. Thank you for, for having joining me. us. Uh, where can people find you and the content you make? Oh, uh, please head over to TechThing, T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G dot com or AVXL, uh, A-V-E-X-C-E-L dot com. <laughs> Subscribe to uh, their YouTube channels. You also have, also have Patreons and regular postings. Uh, it's always fun to have you on the podcast. What, <laughs> what's your favorite social media? Twitter? Probably Twitter. Yeah, me too. Because um, we're old. Well, it's Facebook isn't particularly useful. Um, and I've got like 100,000 or 95,000 followers on Twitter. So if I interact, there's a much larger audience to get a potential interaction out of. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine that's convinced I should be spending more time on Instagram. But, you know, I think I should just leapfrog that and go straight to Snapchat. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, um, we got a mutual outro. Oh, my God. Oh, one last bit of promo while you look for that. Jeremy and Sean's project, Star Lords, basically is just wrapped up. We have one more episode, but the big payoff episode is out this week. You guys should absolutely check that out. Uh, it's for tested community members, premium members, but it's a seven-part series of the journey to build uh, an arcade cabinet to unveil at an arcade expo. This should have been the plot of Wreck-It Ralph 2. <laughs> anything better than the, what the plot actually was that I haven't seen yet yeah and, and Sean and I are both now working again with Mike Micah on yeah. a project that I have been greenlit to talk about so maybe we can chat a bit oh about gosh. that next week we will we will Whoa. absolutely ch chat about that next week you alluded to it <laughs> at, uh, oh god on Still Untitled I know alright okay outro I, th I don't know if this has been played before this is by Kerber Jungle Book there I didn't see her <laughs> Thank you.
isn't there like a boy that's raised by a wolf in that one? No. No. That's Jungle Book. No. What am I thinking of? Jungle Book. No, I'm not thinking of Jungle Book. <laughs> You're literally thinking I'm of Jungle not, Book. I'm literally not thinking of Jungle Book. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of Jungle Book. What were you thinking about? I don't know. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's not satisfying. <laughs> All right.